0: Hello everyone! Welcome to The Writing Cabin with Tara Benner. I'm author Tara Benner and this is my cabin. We all need to escape into story from time to time, so come on in. Sit down by the fire, pour yourself a hot cup of coffee, and let's talk books. Now before we get started today, I want to take a quick moment to thank my wonderful, wonderful patrons. Patrons, your support funds the creation of new short stories every month, and it tells me that you enjoy my books so much that you want to support them and me directly. These little additional short stories that I write really help enrich the worlds and characters that I create in my novels, which I think has resulted in a much better, richer, deeper book overall series overall. So thank you for that. If you dear listener would like to join our Patreon family, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash Tara labs. I create a brand new short story every single month for my patrons, and you can get those all over there right now. I also produce a monthly video diary. You can gain access to that entire library of Patreon exclusive stories for just $2 a month. Right, this week's featured book is Blood Ties, which is actually the prequel novella to Etherwitch Witch from Gabriel's point of view. Here's a little bit about that. Wesley Pierce just made Detective, and he's at a serious disadvantage. He's been drawn into a string of unusual murders committed by a creature that doesn't exist. The victims are all handsome men at the top of their game, murdered by a woman with supernatural strength. His brother Gabriel knows something he doesn't that Wesley's killer is a vampire. Gabriel Pierce is a hunter, a supernatural predator who slays witches and werewolves. Wesley has no idea what his brother does after dark, but Gabriel knows Wesley is no match for a vampire. He's determined to stake the killer before Wesley gets too close, but to do that, he'll have to enlist the help of a sexy rival hunter. If you like badass vampire slayers, high-speed motorcycle rides, and stories about brothers, you'll love exploring the darker side of Denver in Blood Ties. Now, this novella is a Reader Army exclusive. It is not available for sale anywhere, uh, but you can get it for free when you join my newsletter at tarabender.com forward slash Blood Ties Giveaway. Blood Ties Giveaway is separated by dashes. I will put a link to that down in the show notes. Okay, so it's time for my little life update that I do every single podcast. And we have reached that year or that time of year in Colorado where the weather can't decide if it wants to be spring or if it wants to give us another three months of winter. Uh, The other day I was down in Colorado Springs and it was beautiful, sunny, 70 degrees. And then Last night when I went out to hike, I felt the wind shift, and this morning we are officially living in Winterfell again. <laughs> uh, but because I've had that spring feeling, I have officially decided that it's time to decorate my house, A house that I have lived in for 10 months without a single piece of art on the walls, without any knickknacks really scattered around, without... Um, really any furniture except for the furniture that we had in our little 800 square foot house down in the springs <laughs> so it feels a little bit empty it feels like it's a little unfinished which I mean technically it is unfinished because when you build a house yourself it's never really done you know there's little parts of the painting on the exterior that need done there's some trim that needs completed um But really, I think the decorating is why it feels mostly unfinished. Um, I've also decided I'm going to finally go through my closet, where I still have three giant U-Haul boxes full of clothes that I haven't worn since before I was pregnant. Um, (laughs) For those keeping track at home, my son is officially seven months old, and so that means I haven't worn these clothes in, what, like... 16 months, 17 months, or maybe not that long. We'll call it like a year and three months that I haven't worn any of these clothes. And I haven't gone through them because, out, you know, usually when I move, because, you know, I've, I've moved around every few years, you know, since I've been 18. Um, and every time I move, I use that as an opportunity to get rid of old stuff. But this time when I was packing up to move, I was... I think seven months pregnant and I was like, I shouldn't make any rash decisions about my clothes while none of them fit me. And after I had my son, I was, you know, newly postpartum. And I was like, this is also not a good time (laughs) to make any major life choices about these clothes that I've had in my possession, some of them for years. And now it's time it's, it's past time. Um, so I want to go through my clothes, get my closet organized and I want to start getting some things for the house that reflect my personality. I think this was motivated by the fact that I went to two different people's houses this past week that were really cutely decorated. And one of them is a newer friend of mine who I feel like I know her so much better now that I have seen how she's decorated her house. Like her house is just so cute. She's got this like, Boho style that looks, I mean, it's just her whole house. It, it, none of the stuff is, you know, crazy expensive, I don't think, or, you know, like anything fancy, but it's just everything looks so like Instagram perfect. <laughs> and, you know, I don't expect to have an Instagram perfect house, but I want it to kind of reflect my style, our style. And I think part of me has been resistant to decorating the house because. It's hard for me to find things that I really love, and I don't want to bring things into my home that I'm just lukewarm about. Um, I read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and I do think that every new thing that I bring into my life, whether that's a piece of furniture or a piece of clothing, I really want it to be something that sparks joy. But I also think I don't have a lot of confidence in myself as a decorator, um which is absurd because, you know, my husband and I designed this house. We chose everything in it. And I've decided that I'm just going to have fun with the decorating. Um, I'm going to go with things that feel interesting and exciting and things that spark joy for me because I realized that, you know, so when we were building this house, I decided I wanted the house to be blue and not like a muted kind of boring blue, but like a deep sapphire blue and we, I mean, I bet you we got 30 different samples of different blue paints and I love it. I love the finished product. And I realized that I love all the bold little choices that we made. We got this kind of funky tile for our small bathroom. There's this wagon wheel light fixture in the dining room. And both of those things, I felt like I was kind of stepping out there (laughs) with those choices, but those are always the things that people comment on and and say that they love. And so I'm going to do more of that with my decorating Um, (laughs) but you're probably not here to hear about my uh, interior decorating woes you're here about the books so I'll move on to my writing update this week I am still on my first big round of revisions for warrior witch and this part always takes me such a long time because this is when I'm kind of going through the draft and making any big changes to the plot. I am filling in things that I may have neglected, you know, if I neglected to give a good description of something or I need to kind of explain something. Sometimes I will put inconsistencies in the manuscript on the first draft because the second time I mention something, I'll be like, ooh, actually, it should be like this. And I try to leave myself little notes, but I don't always do that. And sometimes I don't even realize that I've been inconsistent with something. Um, Or I'll put a question mark if it's something I need to look up, or something that was mentioned in a previous book, but I'm not sure which previous book and I have to go hunt it down. Um, Writing first draft Tara is like, That person in the group project in high school that like doesn't do the work sometimes and the like type A honor student in the group project is editing Tara and editing Tara gets really irritated with first draft Tara (laughs) because sometimes I'll just leave a blank space or I won't finish a chapter and I'll be like, oh, like fill this in here with something that makes sense. And editing Tara is like, no, that was your job. You and I both decided that was your job for this project and you didn't do it. I didn't do a lot at this time. I just left a very small chunk unfinished in the epilogue, and it's kind of like a toast that somebody's giving, and so I, I can handle that. Editing Tara can handle that. Um, it's actually been a lot of fun going through on this round of edits because because I gave myself a week where I wasn't looking at the manuscript at all. I have pretty much forgot about everything that happened. <laughs> that's how writing is for me. I can never remember everything I wrote or said. So if someone says something about an old series, I'm like, Oh, what (laughs) did I write that? Or, you know, I'll, I'll reread one of the previous books in the series or kind of skim through it. And I'll be like, Oh, I, I totally forgot about that. Like, Okay, so I don't I hate to point this out because you can't not notice it once I point it out to you, but in book 1, most of the witches apart from Eleanor have the ability to teleport and that ability is never mentioned again <laughs> for the rest of the series. And I'm sure there's so many instances where you're like, why wouldn't they just teleport? It'd be so much easier. They wouldn't have to ride in the car. Um teleporting is going to make a reappearance in Warrior Witch, so pff. I want to bring that back around, <laughs> but that's how writing is for me. I can never remember everything I wrote in a previous book. Like I, I get it down the page and it's like pfft, out of my head. Uh, I only ever really remember the broad strokes. And so that's why it's really important for me to write quickly before I forget everything that happened previously in the series. It's really not a good idea for me to write books in between books in a series. Um, but it's, about, it's been a lot of fun to revisit these chapters because I forgot the details It also makes me cringe a little bit because it's like I'm seeing everything unfold for Fiona in real time, knowing where those things are going, and so it's frustrating to watch her go through them. (laughs) It's also a challenge to keep reality straight in my head because there's a part in the book where there are a lot of theories being thrown around and there's some lies being thrown around, and have to make sure that things make sense both for the truth and for the warped perception of reality that she's dealing with. So sorry, that's really vague. I can't go into any greater detail without spoiling anything, but that's kind of where I'm at. I say I'm about a little over a third of the way through this edit and the manuscript just keeps growing. I think it's at like 106,000 words so I'm getting kind of scared because that means the final phase of editing is going to take a long time. It's going to be a really expensive edit for me. Um, it's going to be a super expensive audiobook to produce. But those are problems for business Tara. And so editing Terra doesn't really have to care right now. Um, <laughs> um, so that's what's going on with Warrior Witch. I still have the spin-off series on my mind. And as I've been driving, because I have a long drive into town anytime I go get groceries or run errands or anything like that, and every time I drive, um, I find myself trying to get a handle on these new characters. In the spinoff, we will be returning to Mountain Shadow, but it's a much darker mountain shadow than you'll remember from the first series. I'm not gonna give any spoilers for which is a mountain Shadow book five or six in this segment. But one thing I can reveal about the series, this isn't a spoiler even if it sounds like it's going to be a spoiler, it's not. There's going to be a major character who I'm pretty sure is a cambion, that is to say someone who is half human, half demon. Um in the hierarchy of demons, they're really supposed to be lower demons, but I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to stick with that. I think it was mentioned um, in demon, which they were lower demons, but I'll have to go back and check the name for this character that I've been toying with is either Cyril or Sindel, which would be sin for short, but it's spelled C Y N D E L. And for those of you who don't know, I am a collector of names. Um, I always get people like say stuff about the kind of quirky names that I come up with for characters because I love, I love names so much. Like when we are naming my son, I asked everyone I knew to send me names because not just because I was wanting kind of an unusual name for my son, but also because I, I just eat up names. I love them so much. And the other week I got a Facebook message from someone named Sindel and I filed this name away for like future reference. And I think I like it for this can character. Anyway, I've been contemplating the parentage for Sindel slash Cyril, I have two pretty good ideas. I think they're good ideas, but I haven't actually decided which one I'm going to go with. And so I won't drop any more hints about that, except to say that an old, um, adversary may be one of the parent's One of the possibilities for this character's parents is a much darker origin story, and I don't know that I want to go that dark because I want this character to seem like he is kind of morally gray at the beginning, but then ultimately turn out to be one of the good guys. Um, And I think if I go too dark on his origin story, it's going to be a little hard to believe that he turned out to be a halfway decent human being slash demon. Um, but I've been doing a little bit of research surrounding cambions as far as the folklore about cambions, which is really interesting. I'm going to read you a little excerpt here from myths and folklore wiki. Um, there is a little bit of talk about mythological birds and bees in here. So if you're listening with children and you haven't explained how the birds and the bees work for humans, mortals, I would hit the skip button to skip ahead 30 seconds. So Here we go. A cambion is a mythical demonic offspring of a succubus and an incubus. To create a cambion, a succubus must extract the semen of a man in his sleep, then pass on the sperm to an incubus, which then transfers the semen to a sleeping woman who becomes pregnant. In the process, the demonic aspects of the incubus and succubus transfer onto the child that is produced. Is anybody following that? I kind of got lost. (laughs) (laughs) The Cambion child is typically sickly and bad-behaved, and oftentimes malformed in some manner. According to traditional beliefs, Cambions tended to live shortened lives. Cambions may have been a pre-scientific explanation for birth defects and infant illnesses and mortality. In literature and modern fantasy, Cambions are often shown as half-human, half-devil creatures with fiendish powers. And then Forgotten Realms Wiki says... Good-aligned cambions are rare, but sometimes if their mother was good or neutral-aligned, they took on her non-evil nature and were subsequently doomed to a life of loneliness as not even their demonic patrons would accept them. I think that meant parents. I'm not sure. Anyway, there's a lot of interesting mythology uh, to mine as I develop this character, so I'm very excited for you to meet him. Aside from my editing and plotting. The other big piece of news is that I decided to take Witches and Mountain Shadow wide, um, and that means that I have pulled the kin- pulled the series from Kindle Unlimited, and so all the books are going to be published on Apple Books, Nook, Google Play, Kobo, Scribd. They will also be available to local libraries. If you read on Kindle, don't worry, the series is still available um, on Kindle. You just have to purchase the books individually. They won't be available with the KU subscription. And this was a really big decision for me. It's one that I have talked a lot about with my author friends. It's one that I have kind of angsted over and debated about um, because I really wanted to take the series wide so that it would be available to readers on other platforms, readers in more countries. I also really wanted to make Etherwitch free, like permanently free, so that people could try the series and get into it without, you know, having to be a member of KU and not having to pay any money for a series that they don't know if they're gonna like. And then finally, last week, I polled a bunch of you on my Facebook page about your reading habits and kind of how you read if you're loyal to Kindle Unlimited or if you buy ebooks. The answers I got were super interesting and not at all what I was expecting. So many people have Kindle Unlimited, but they still buy digital books on Kindle individually. Um, A lot of people read not on a physical Kindle, but on the Kindle app, either on their phone or on a tablet. Um, Not a lot of people actually buy books from Apple iBooks or the Android, you know, Google Play Store they'll use those devices and then use the Kindle app to have all their stuff in one place. So I found that really interesting. And it kind of reassured me that I wouldn't get, that I wouldn't be shooting myself in the foot by taking the series out of Kindle Unlimited. And so I've gone ahead and done that. I kind of held my breath as I sent the email to KDP Select um, <laughs> last night. And I got an email within a few minutes saying it had been removed from the program, which was just fantastic. And I'm so excited for what's to come because this is a deep series. You know, there's going to be six books in kind of the main canon. There are going to be two novellas, one of which I'm still working on. I'm sorry. Um, there's going to be a short story collection Then there's going to be the spinoff series. And so I just, I really want to get as many people hooked on the series as possible. And I think for that to happen, I need to expand more broadly. So stay tuned. Exciting things are coming. Um, I'm just, I'm nervous, but I'm also thrilled that my intellectual property is going to be mine again to do what I want with it. Um, Because when it's in Kindle Unlimited, I can't even sell an ebook from my own website, which is kind of ridiculous. So you have lots of things to look forward to as far as which is an shadow is concerned. That's it for my writing updates. Now it's time for what I am reading this week. I am actually on the very last chapter of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, and uh, I had to kind of <laughs> think about how much I wanted to say about this book because I know it is a beloved series. So many people rave about it on TikTok and um, it's just, it's really popular. Uh, So I don't want to make anybody angry because it turned out to be a really good read. But if I'm being honest, I have, I found the last third of the book really hard to get through. Not because it isn't good, but because it's just I found it emotionally exhausting. It's very dark. There's a lot of violence and gore and cruelty. And I say that as someone who does not mind violence and gore. Um, The character development was excellent, but not without putting the protagonist, Farrah, in a very dark, very hopeless place. Uh, (laughs) There is much, much less fairy fun in the second half of the book. There's quite a bit less spice than I was led to expect and a lot more gruesomeness pain and suffering than I was led to expect <laughs> and I don't mean that to say that you shouldn't read it um because it's great it's highly engaging I could not put it down these last you know a few chapters um the characters are fantastic the world building is fascinating like the kind of backstory of how the fairy realm was created I find that fascinating um, But i reached a point in my life where I just don't need dark shows, dark movies, dark books. And so I'm not entirely sure if I'm gonna move on to the second installment or not. I'm gonna have to kind of weigh that with kind of the description and what reviewers say because I don't want another um, emotionally draining journey. But tonight I will finish that, and I am going to be listening to Silence Fallen by Patricia Briggs, which is book 10 in her Mercy Thompson series. I actually downloaded the audiobook a long time ago, and I'm only now just getting to it. I have to say, I am so ready for some evil vampires and sexy werewolves and trademark Mercy Thompson humor after the very dark ride that is A Court of Thorns and Roses, that's it for what I'm reading this week. I'm about to wrap up here, but before we go, let's check the mailbox. And just imagining I'm going outside my cabin to pluck a letter from my mailbox, but in fact, it's an email. This week, we have a question from Paul in Washington State. And Paul says, I read your Fringe series and Wallace. Now I'm reading Is a Mountain Shadow. I noticed there's a lot of swearing and violence in the fringe and in Lawless, but hardly any in Witches. Just wondering if you've been censored. Not that I mind. Just curious. <laughs> Paul, this question made me laugh. Um, actually, the decision to make Witches of Mountain Shadow more or less clean just short, sort of happened. Um, you know, Mountain Shadow, the town itself was supposed to be this sweet, idyllic place with, you know, some demons and some evil kind of lurking in the underbelly. So tone-wise to me, it just made sense because I was kind of going for like a Star's Hollow vibe in those early chapters. The other thing is that Fiona is not as dark and jade of a character as Lark in Lawless is. Fiona's situation is not as dire as Harper's is in the post apoc world of The Fringe, um, you know, also Eli in the fringe is just super dark that he's had a really hard life, watched a lot of people die. And, you know, when you're dealing with a nuclear war ravaged landscape, you're going to let a few F-bombs slip. Um, but it just, you know, it, it kind of happened naturally when I wrote, which is a not in shadow. And I sent a paperback of Ether Witch to my granny, because I dedicated that book to her and she expressed to me that she could actually read this one because it didn't have hardly any swearing in it. And she let me know that the other books that I had loaded onto her laptop for her had too much swearing for her taste. So I decided to stick with the swearing light theme. Um, And I actually get reviews here and there from people saying that they appreciate that there's no sex or swearing in Witch. And that kind of worries me because... (laughs) When you get to later books in the series, there is some sex. Um, not explicit sex. I think the scenes are all very tastefully done. Uh, I do try to keep the swearing to a minimum, though, because people seem to like that about the series. I do find it hilarious that sex and swearing are the polarizing issues for people in books, not the violence or demonic possession. Uh, <laughs> There are some other things that people hate about Ether Witch that I won't get into because they're kind of polarizing topics, but uh, you can always write me if you want to hear about that on the down low. Thank you so much for sending in your question, Paul. If you, dear reader or dear listener, have any burning questions that you'd like for me to answer on the podcast, or if you just have some shameless flattery and fan mail to send my way, you can send it to TaraBenner at gmail.com. You can also post it in any of my social channels. I am at author Tara Benner on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. That's Tara with an H, T-A-R-A-H. You can also post them in our secret reader group on Facebook, Tara Benner's Reader Revolution. That's all I have for you this week, but feel free to stay in my cabin for as long as you like. We can drink some coffee, you can crack open a good book, hopefully one of mine, and have a wonderful weekend.